Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now, here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. This is your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can find information about Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org. I'm so happy and excited to have Michael Malton of M to the Rock. So he's my guy, and thank you for blessing us with your presence. Uh, As we do on all of our shows, we open with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your guidance, and your counsel. I ask that you continue to bless Michael, his testimony, and his ministry, and the work that he's doing for you to help those who are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction. Amen. Amen. Michael, man, it is good to see you. Good to see you. It's good to be seen. Hey, man, you are always, I, I see you all the time. You are very active on social media, man. You do a great job. And again, I'm so grateful that you're taking time out to, to talk to us. Well, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, well, let's, let's jump right into it. Talk to me and share with our listeners your testimony, which is so powerful. Oh, wow. I don't, well, first of all, we don't have enough time, but, but um, <laughs> abbreviated. I person. always tell everybody I'm not unique. I'm mm-hmm. really not. I'm mm-hmm. not unique. Everybody has a story, and yes. everybody has a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess mine's just got a hook to it that gets a lot of people's attention. So mm-hmm. I am a recovering drug addict alcoholic, and I've been clean and sober since May 29th, 2017. Yes. And before I speak or talk or do interviews like this, I make it very clear to the listener or the Mm -hmm. viewer that I drank alcohol and I did drugs for the effect. Right. I make that real clear up Uh front because I don't want anybody to be confused. Yeah. or, you know, man, you know, if, if the, you don't know my story, you don't know this, all the stuff that happened to me, but yeah. I am a, a survivor of abuse, a sexual okay. abuse, trauma. Yeah. And we all have had trauma mm-hmm. and it's all relative. It could be trauma from our dad not showing up to a football game yes. all the way to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So it's all relative and trauma is trauma. So, yeah. but, um, you know, I drink for the effect yeah. and, and I, you know, I'm 52 years old and I've lived in Dallas my whole life. Okay. And, um, you know, I grew up in a great, you know, I had everything. Mm -hmm. I always say I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I was, grew up (laughs) in a wealthy family and my dad was a hard worker. We had everything. I grew up in the country clubs uh, in Plano, Texas at Glen Eagles country club. And, Mm -hmm. and I grew up in the men's locker room. Those men raised me and, um, and they, they were my, I thought they were my kingdom men, you know, like Tony Evans talks about. Mm -hmm. Those are my, those are my mentors and, and I wanted what they had and Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel like they looked. Yes. And when alcohol uh, hit my body, something happened and I had a, uh, I thought a spiritual awakening, but (laughs) euphoria is Satan, right? Yes. Yes. But, um, I had the awakening and, and, you know, our story, my story is no different than any other alcoholic drug addict. You know, it goes like this. I drank alcohol. I did drugs. There were a lot of consequences. To make the consequences yeah. go away, I would drink more. Yes. And, and I, you know, I would, that day would come where I'd say, I know I'm different. I know something's different about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I drank and I did drugs because I wanted to feel like everybody around me looked. Yeah. Um, and then the day came, I started saying, I'm done. I'm done with this. And, and I never want to drink again the rest of my life. Yeah. And I was drunk and high that night. That's our story. <laughs> yeah, we say is. we never want to do it again. And we end up doing it again. Keep on. We yeah. stay in that circle of insanity. Right. Yeah. So that's what it was like, you mm-hmm. know, um, 
May 29, 2017, I, I got my 27th mugshot. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. you know, and I was, um, you know, to back up, I was, you know, I was on the po- pro golf tour as a caddy straight out yeah. of high school. And, and, you know, I met a, I met a lady in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I got her pregnant. Uh, I thought I'd do the right thing and yep. stay with her. That lasted 10 months. And okay. my drug abuse and alcohol abuse was at an all-time high. I was, mm-hmm. you know, young guy caddying for the best golfer in the world at the time, yeah. you know, flying private jets. And I was 22 years old. You oh, know? man, that's a lifestyle. Rock and roll. Yeah. Rock and roll. And so... um and I ended up, I, I abandoned that family, you okay. know, and I really hurt them mm-hmm. and it really, um, grew up as a dark side and then ended up getting off the tour and, and, you know, going to my passion, which was real estate construction, yeah. you know, residential construction and, you know, ended up getting married. I married, mm-hmm. you know, my best friend from high school and okay. got married and we had two boys and, and I wanted to be a, a dad and I never wanted to treat these boys like I treated, you know, the, my two kids in Florida because uh-huh. I abandoned them. So, yeah, uh, but I was sick. I was an alcoholic and drug addict and yeah. went to Betty Ford in 2002. Um, yeah. um because I, and the reason why I say Betty Ford, because that's where important people like you and me go, yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, we want man, everybody to know. Hey, that's right. We I don't say treatment, go. right? So, <laughs> um, went there and I'll never forget. My counselor told me, he says, you will never, ever experience sobriety until you do step three of a. 12 step program. Uh-huh. And that's make a decision to turn my will and life under the care of God. Yes. Yes. And um, I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I so relate. it got worse and worse yep. as we do. Yep. We don't drink up. We drink down, that man. Don't we? Yeah. We, quickly. We all, and we always end up at the lake. Oh, uh, right. Why do alcoholics <laughs> end up at the lake? Right. I don't know, but that is a common theme though. Right. right? And so, um, <laughs> you know, growing up uh, with abandonment and, and just, you know, abuse and the stuff mm-hmm. that I would bury, um, in 2009, my wife had a massive brain hemorrhage and was uh-huh. in the hospital for three years. Yeah. And, um, my home building company was at an all time high. I was making a lot of money mm-hmm. doing everything I was supposed to do. And I twisted off and went to a real dark place. Yeah. And I ended up giving everything away. I used to say lost everything, yeah. but I gave everything you away. gave that. That was so powerful when I first heard your testimony and I heard you say that, that I, gave everything away and one i love your testimony because it is unlike the image that most people have of an alcoholic right they think the guy under the bridge bad family bad upbringing but you dispel your testimony dispels all of that and you were making a lot of money you were at the top of your profession Talk about that because a lot of times people think if you have money, success, worldly success, right? That everything, it, money makes it all all right. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. So you're exactly right. You know, I, I went to my very first uh, support group meeting. Mm-hmm. It was like in, um, it was right before I went to Betty Ford, and it was one of my many, you know, burnouts that we do. Yeah. Know? You know, we'll go to watch Monday Night Football, <laughs> yep. and they find me on Friday, you know? And then the person <laughs> yeah. that finds me, who's my wife, I tell her she's a control freak, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes, yeah. But, um, but I went to my very first support group meeting, and there's a lot of great support groups out there. Yes. And, and I don't wave any flag, um, but this support group meeting, I went in there, and I heard men sharing their mm-hmm. story, their yep. experience, strength, and hope. And I literally left there going, wow, these guys have been dealt a bad deck, yeah. you know? I've never been homeless. Yep. 
I've never been bankrupt. I've never been arrested. Mm -hmm. I've never had a DWI. I've never uh, lived underneath a bridge. I've never been um, whatever it is. And and I realized that I've never been that person yet. Yes. Right? Yet. Um, And then I became that person that Mm -hmm. I said I would never be. And, um, you know, and the story goes on is that, you know, in 2009, you know, I got pulled over and got my very first arrest Mm -hmm. and I had a large amount of cocaine and I was intoxicated and, and it was scary. And I got arrested and they took me down to Dallas Blue Starrett and I went in the process me and, you know, they take me down underneath where you see on channel eight news all the time when they take people in criminals, these bad murders and, and I'm going through that and I'm really freaking out inside, you know, and. Um, I go down there and I have a second degree felony. And so I hear the felony word. So I think right. I'm going to prison immediately. Yeah, I'm scared to death. And I sat there and I don't believe in God. And I just sat there and I said, I have become the guy I said I would never be. Mm. I said, this is over. Mm. Mm. I'm done. Yep. I am done. And Man. I'm in it. Man. I'm in it with every blood, ounce of blood. And they, mm. and they bonded me out. Mm. We didn't know how to bond out. It's yeah. all new to us, right? Yeah. And the people are yucking it up. And this is a, uh-huh. a lifestyle. They're calling people by their name when they're yeah. coming in to get booked in. I'm like, <laughs> this is crazy. Right. And I went to the bathroom. I said, I'm done. I'm never drinking and doing drugs again. I've got to get pull it together. Mm-hmm. And I really meant it. Man. And I got bonded out and I got drunk and high that night. Yep. Wow. And that was my very first mugshot. And, you know, people were using that mugshot against me and they were throwing it out there on the Internet. And it was devastating me. Yeah. And. I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I'm in it. Well, mm-hmm. 26 mug shots later, 27. Wow. That's mug amazing. Shots, when I heard felonies. you say that, yeah. I was just like, whoa, 26. And knowing you and seeing you now, I just can't imagine that, man. I'm still trying to wrap my arms around it, but I understand that that's how addiction, that's what it does to us. Right. That's what right. it does to it. Like I said, it, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Yes. It speaks to us on our own voice. <laughs> you know, and it's it, it it's it's literally in what I talk about, I, I bring the truth, you know. Yeah. You we say the word addiction, mm-hmm. you know, that's the street name for spiritual stronghold. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I looked at all twenty seven in my mugshots, the common denominator was one thing. Mm-hmm. I was spiritually bankrupt. Yes. No yeah. God. Yeah. No understanding. No yeah. no belief. Nothing. No yeah. faith. Until, um, you know, the last time I was incarcerated and Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where God used murderers, illiterate murderers to change my life. Yes. You gotta go deeper on that. Please talk about that. We have to. So, uh, you know, May 29, 2017, um, and, and back up, you know, everything that's happened to me before, Mm -hmm. I didn't find God through self-inflicted stuff like DWI, traffic ticket, uh, getting caught for infidelity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I did that. You know, that was easy. I just say I did it. Where I find where I found God was recognizing and facing the trauma Mm -hmm. and and facing the truth and, and getting really honest. And 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 one of the things is, is being accused of something that I never did was always devastating to me mm-hmm. because I was a good person growing up. I yeah. wasn't mean. I wasn't a criminal. I, I wasn't, I didn't want to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what confuses us in addiction is that yeah. we're good people. Yeah. 
But when we're good to people, we have the expectations, right? Yes, and we so do. We, and we get resentful, but we don't know what we're doing. So we're confused <laughs> when we hit rock bottom. So when I get, you know, on May 29, 2017, I was apprehended by the Dallas Police Department, and I was being a charged for a crime I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was like going, really? We're going to do this again? And plus, I was dirty, and I was yeah. on four felony probations, and Judge Jennifer Bennett, um, she had it with me. Yeah. And so when I got uh, locked up this time, when I walked in uh, to get booked in, they called me by my name. Yeah. I became that guy. Yeah. You know, look out, rabbit. You yeah. Know, that's what they called me in prison was rabbit. Yeah. And I sat down, and and I had had to sign my card, the yellow card. And uh-huh. all I can put on there was my name. That's it. No phone number, no yeah. emergency, con- nothing. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. In fact, the phone that I had wasn't even mine. Oh, and, wow. And I thought that I, I go, well, at least I got $400 cash on me yeah. that they arrested me, and I can use that for commissary. I could finally have something on my books, right? Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing that, a detective comes in, and they go, listen, if you just be honest with us, we won't put another charge on you, but where did you get this money? And oh, I said, well, it was given to me, and it really was. Yeah. And um, they were accusing me, it's, and it was counterfeit. Oh, no. Four $100 bills were counterfeit. I actually got it from the ATM machine, which is crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so um, so they took the money, and God was taking everything from me. Mm-hmm. And so I get put into an aggravated assault tank. I'm mm-hmm. in the North Tower, second floor. It's 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 a jungle. Yeah. And I'm in there, and people are fighting. I saw a guy get killed, jump off the side. I saw a lot of trauma when yeah. I was being incarcerated. And I go in there in this room in my cell. And I'm on the top bunk, and the guy in the bottom bunk, you know, was doing life for murder, and, yeah. and they transferred him out. And I was going to move down to the bottom bunk, and this old, old school comes in. Yeah. And he's walking in. He's got polio. Uh-huh. And he's dragging this mat, and um, and I, I got to give him the bottom bunk. Yeah. Now, yeah. incarcerated, it was very tough for me because um, I was different. I was white. Yeah. Um, I am white, right? <laughs> you know, when I would go in there. Um, so they thought I was either a cop or gay yeah. because I was so proper, you know? Yeah. And so when I went in, it was very scary. Mm-hmm. And so they were checking me. They were wanting to know who I was. Yeah. And, and it was, it, it, I was paranoid. People are staring at me. And so this guy comes in and I give him the bottom bunk and his name was Uwe. Mm-hmm. And, and Uwe was from South Oak Cliff doing life. And he was oh, back man. on a bench warrant and he was just as happy as he could be. And yeah. I gave him the bottom bunk and they'd open us up and let us move around the day room a couple hours out uh-huh. of 24 hours. And we're moving around and And he looked at me and he, and he just goes, um, say, I look out rabbit. I said, what's up school? And he said, you're doing hard time. Yeah. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, you're doing real hard time. I, I'm watching you. You're making a lot of people nervous. You're pacing. You're mm-hmm. walking around they're going to, they're going to chew you off the bone, you know, yeah. cause I was going down the road. I was going to prison. Yeah. And, um, I said, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He says, man, you, you just, you're out in that world. I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. And I would notice inmates when an inmate would be sitting there daydreaming, looking out, uh-huh. another inmate would come up and say, Hey man, get out of that world. Right. right. Because, in, because there's a sort of disassociation you start developing when you're incarcerated, mm-hmm. you either go crazy, or, you know, die or right. go the route I did. Mm-hmm. So one day, uh, Uwe said, um, "Hey, Rabbit, will you um, will you read to me?" Yeah, and I'm like, "What are you? What are yeah. you talking about?" Right. He goes, "I don't know how to read." 
And I've never heard anybody say that. I've heard people that don't. And he goes, you don't know how to read? And he goes, no. He says, if he goes, nobody in here knows how to read or write. Yeah. And as I'm looking around, like going, there's all these books everywhere, right? But no one's reading. They use the books for pillows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's another sidebar real quick. He's, you know, what's interesting. The hardest book Uh to find in school today, the public schools, is the Bible. Wow. But when we're incarcerated, it's, it's the first book they give you. Uh-huh. Isn't this crazy? That is. I think it, we get this backwards. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> so I, anyway, I totally agree. So anyway, so he asked me to read to him, and so mm-hmm. I go up to this gangbanger who is no belief, yeah. hardcore, right. Black Panther, okay? Mm-hmm. And just for some reason, I just asked him, I said, hey, do you got a book I can read to school? He says, yeah, man, go up there, in my, and under my bed is a book, but put it back. I yeah. said, no problem. So the book was the Living Recovery Bible, uh-huh. um, the New Living Translation. Man, love that. Love so that. I go downstairs and I start reading this to Uwe. Yeah. When we're locked up, just two-man tank. Yeah. Um, our cell. And I'm reading it to him and, oh, this is this is really neat. I just This just hit me. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is really cool. Give it to us. I was reading this to him. Uh-huh. And he was like. Tell me, it's just black words on white paper. Yeah. It means nothing to me. Uh, yeah. And he's like going, so read to me about Luke. And I go to the table of contents and uh-huh. know, try to find it and all this stuff. So I'm reading it to him. Yeah. And the next <laughs> thing I know, four days go by. Yeah. And I wasn't feeling anxious, paranoid, scared. Yeah. So something was happening and I was like going, wait, what's going on here? Right. Right. And to make a long story short, what was happening is, is for the first time in my life, I was out of self, mm-hmm. serving someone else, yes. expecting nothing in return, mm-hmm. which was putting me into the now. Yeah. It kept me out of that world. Yeah. That's what they were talking about. Yeah. yeah that world. Yeah. And it was putting me in the now, which is the safest place in the world because that's where God's at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why service work is so powerful. Yeah. But I didn't realize that. Yeah. Here's what's amazing. So I was doing this. And then I was writing. I started writing. Mm-hmm. Started writing, and I put this Bible back up, up in his. Um, and his his name was Black. His yeah. name was Black, and I put it up there yeah. every single night. And I started writing and journaling. Yeah. And the inmates started seeing my handwriting. They loved Which it. It's great, by the way. Yeah. They loved my handwriting. So I was writing letters for them, <laughs> and this toxic murder tank turns <sighs> into this peaceful tank yeah. because I'm reading and writing. Yeah. I'm reading and writing to them. Yeah. And as I'm doing this, they start paying me or giving me soups. Yeah. And I accumulated 11 <laughs> soups and I made the biggest transaction of my life. And I made a offer to black to buy that Bible. Yeah. And he took it. He took it. I was, this is a guy that made $20 million real estate deals weekly. Yeah. And I made the biggest offer um, and did that. And here's what's happened to end. On seven seven seventeen, I was uh-huh. on my top bunk and I couldn't breathe. Uh-huh. And I didn't ask it; it happened. And that's when Jesus Christ came into my heart and changed my life Man, forever. Is awesome. Which is that's awesome. And that was four years ago tomorrow that I had a bright light supernatural experience mm-hmm. uh, when Christ entered my body. Man, that that is awesome. And I love that story because it's amazing to see how God use you and your gifts and started to show you your purpose right and but here's you the key others but he used unlikely people to do his job yes 
Yes. I mean, I've had the greatest therapist in the world. Yeah. And God uses ooh-wee, a Black Panther, <laughs> these gangbangers who are doing life for murder. Yes. He used them yep. to save my life. Yes, forever. he did. Yeah. And, and it, the Bible says God works in mysterious ways and his ways are higher than our ways yep. and not our ways. And I see that in your story. Mm. And I, I love your story because you are unlikely from a world's point of view, a person who would suffer from addiction. Everyone God has put in your life to lead you, guide you and bring you to him was unlikely characters, black and ooey. I and mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that is awesome. So uh, before we, as we get ready to uh, go to break, Talk to us a little bit about how you stay sober now and what are your keys to your sobriety? Well, the the real is service and, mm-hmm. and doing what I'm doing. God has a purpose and this is what he wants me to do. Yes. Um, and that is I provide solutions. My goal is to raise the bottom for men mm. um, so they never have to go through what I do. Yes. And doing this right here, yeah. you know, and, and sharing my story mm-hmm. and sharing the story of what God has done in my life. Not mm. what I'm doing. Yes. What God has done in my life. Yes. And attending support group meetings and church and men's Bible studies, staying in the word. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and it's so, and I'm learning even more today with spiritual warfare because oh, you know, the enemy doesn't want me doing what I'm doing. No, not and at it all. has been a very, very tough year for yeah. me. And so, um, but that's what God wants us to do. We literally understand we die for Christ when mm-hmm. we're living for him. Yeah. And, and the work that you are doing and the work that you're doing with men, we all have to support that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so, when I met you, I was like, Man, Michael is just awesome in this work that he's doing. And our friend Neil, you, yeah, you two him. are just taking the recovery world by storm. So I, I want to encourage you. Keep your faith. Keep going. And we're going to have more with you on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal. And the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. This is Irvin Lee, your host of From Beer to the Bible. We're going to close with our good friend, Michael. Michael's going to tell everyone where they can reach him, find him, and support him. Thank you. Uh, it's real simple. Just go to our website. It's M2 The Rock. That's the letter M number two. Yes. Uh, T-H-E-R-O-C-K dot mm-hmm. com. That's M2 The Rock uh, dot com. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael, 
encourage our guests in the last minute or so we have left. Give them a word of encouragement. Anyone suffering from addiction and alcohol or drug addiction currently. If we're if you're struggling with alcohol or drug addiction, if if our car has a problem, mm-hmm. we take the car to a mechanic and yes. the mechanic will say, What is wrong? Yeah. We say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Please help me. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling with alcohol and drugs, reach out to someone that's in recovery yes. that can relate to this deadly disease and say, I don't know. Please yes. help me. Oh man, that is, that is so good. I want you to know I really appreciate you. Thank you. You you are impacting us all. So are you. And, hey, thank you. And we want to continue to support you. And may God continue to richly bless you and your ministry. Thank you. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus. And the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.